You're listening to Inside the Aluminum Tube. This podcast has adult language and sometimes contains graphic descriptions of accidents and incidents, often resulting in death. If you're scared to fly, proceed with caution. Bank angle, bank angle, caution, terrain, don't sink, don't sink, glide slow, pull up, wind shear, wind shear, sink rate, pull up, traffic, traffic. Okay, welcome back for another episode. Uh, this is an aviation history podcast, which looks at aviation events like disasters, accidents, incidents, and mishaps. I'm Shannon Baker, your host and the creator of the podcast. If you want to know my qualifications, you'll have to go listen to episode zero of this podcast and you can learn all about me there. Now, I always have a co-host who is not an aviation expert and her role is to ask questions that'll help you guys actually understand what's going on. So my co-host today is Olivia. Hi, guys. So, <laughs> Olivia, start by telling us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so my name is Olivia Battles-Reap. I just finished my master's degree in film and television, and right now I'm working on an independent film that we're partnered with Kodak and shooting on 35-millimeter film. 35-millimeter film. Mm-hmm. That's Growing wonderful. old school. That is old school. So anything else that you've been up to? Uh, otherwise, I, uh, I during my day, I take care of two lovely children who, for legal reasons, I will not mention their names for their parents' sake. <laughs> but... Uh, it's just basically doing pre-production and casting, so I've been knee-deep into that. And then uh, when I have the time and the money, I do like to travel, though I know nothing about the planes like Shannon that I travel on. But you basically are your movie producer. Yeah, I'm a movie producer. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> That's great. I'm glad to have you on today. So where are you from, Olivia? I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. So I wrote this one specifically for you. Ooh, I feel special. Because I know you're from Boston, so I wrote this one um, just for you. So in honor of your Boston heritage... Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about a commuter flight operated by a company called Bar Harbor Airlines. And I just want to confirm, you don't know what this is going to be about. I know nothing about what this is going to be about. So here's how we do it. Start with the date. I tell, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about the aircraft and then the company and then we'll talk about the event and then what's changed and we talk about how things are now. Awesome. Okay. And then that's the end of the podcast. All right. Sounds easy peasy. You ready to get started? I'm ready to get started. All right. So the date, September 2nd, 1987. Good year. Yeah. It was the 80s. So I feel like, you know, someone was doing something fun. Yeah, some musical artist. There's a musical or <laughs> yeah, some someone mu- was dancing. Some musical artist was doing something at some point um, that we play now because it's all mm-hmm. nostalgic. Exactly. You know. Okay, so the airplane. So, Olivia, I'm going to show you a picture of the airplane so that you can kind of have an idea of what we're talking about. All right, so here's the airplane. Okay. What do you think? I think it's cute. No, it's got like, it's got old kind of airplane vibes. It's got a long nose. It's got colors. It's got a personality. I trust it as far as small planes are concerned. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good plane. Like I wouldn't be scared if I saw that on the runway. I'd be like, okay, I can do that. Well, the good news is you don't have to fly in those airplanes anymore. We're going to find out why. Oh, good. Good, good. (laughs) All right. So, so the airplane is a Beechcraft Model 99, most commonly known as the Beech 99. Okay. The Beech 99 is a twin engine. You saw Mm -hmm. unpressurized turboprop. So it's jet engines um, that drive like small jet engines that drive the propeller. Okay. Okay. It's not pressurized. The, so they always operate between eight and 10,000 feet. Okay. Fully loaded. It weighs around 10,000 pounds. Mm. Now for perspective, a small commuter jet today weighs around 50,000 pounds. Okay. <laughs> and a 737 that you would get on in Southwest weighs about 200,000 pounds. So we're talking about a 10,000 pound airplane. So aluminum foil by comparison. Yeah. Pretty small. Okay. Okay. It was certified to be operated by one pilot. But nobody operated with one pilot. Everybody operated with two pilots. Um, It holds 15 to 17 passengers. In this case, the one that we're talking about today holds 15. Okay. Okay. 
The airplane design was derived from some earlier models using a short mission. Good God. What the fuck is wrong? You're doing fine. Take a deep <laughs> breath. I believe in you. I'll okay. coach you through this. Don't worry. Uh, we're going to get through this. Okay. So the, <laughs> the airplane design was derived from earlier models. It uses a mishmash of parts from older airplanes, and they kind of stuck them together to build a commuter plane. It was designed in the 1960s as a replacement for the previous model, Ooh. which was actually designed before World War II. Oh, good. That sounds super safe. Yeah. So it entered service in 1968, and 62 airplanes were delivered by the end of that year. Production for this aircraft that you just saw, the Beach 99, ended in 1987. However, there are still some of them in service today. Nearly half of them are operated by a single company called Ameriflight, and they're operated as freight. It's just freighters now. Okay, so they, they still found a way to cash in, even though... Yeah, but you're not going to find yourself on one of these at the airport. Something tells me that's a good thing. Like, yeah. I, I feel like I just you're smiling at me in this very, like, she doesn't know manner. She doesn't, I, I, and, like, I don't know what's going to happen to this plane, but I, I know there's a reason we're not allowed to fly in them. I can tell. Okay, so let's talk about the company. Okay. The company was founded in Bar Harbor, Maine... In, ni- mm. in the 1940s by two brothers, Thomas and Joseph Caruso. They flew charters and scenic flight from the Bar Harbor dock. So basically the very first airplane was like a float plane and they just flew like scenic flights and charter flights from the dock. Okay, cute. By 1950, they'd established a base of operations at the Bar Harbor airport. The company was successful. It grew into Bar Harbor Airlines, which started flying in 1971 using the Bar Harbor main airport as its hub. The airline's first route was from Bar Harbor to Boston. Okay, it's close. I get it. It makes sense. Right. The route proved to be really popular, especially with the people in Maine who had daily jobs in Boston. Ooh, yeah. So they basically commuted back and forth. By 1972, the airline has had expanded its route system to include seven cities, became the smallest international airline in the world. Oh. Wait, the- how were they international? Where were they flying internationally? They flew from Boston to Quebec City. <laughs> <laughs> that- like, I know that counts, but I feel like it shouldn't count. It counts. I mean... Good it, for them, okay? Yeah. You know, well, they can have that, sure. Their slogan was, linking Maine with the world. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> have you been to Maine? People in Maine don't want to be linked with the world like that. Trust me. Like, that's why they moved to Maine. That is why they moved to Maine. You're right. You're okay. totally right. That's, that's so good. In the 1970s, they operated a few different types of airplanes, but okay. by the event date, they only flew the Beach 99. Okay. Mm-hmm. In 1982, they struck a deal with Eastern Airlines, and Eastern Airlines then was one of the big fours, a very large international carrier, and they became, so Bar Harbor Airlines was branded as Eastern Airlines Express. Okay. So they were basically just a commuter carrier yeah, yeah. for East, for Eastern Airlines. Um, the company relocated to Texas in 1989. Eastern Airlines went bankrupt later, and they became Continental Airlines, which mm. is now United. Okay. Now, Bar Harbor's still a company. They're in Texas. And, what? Which they're is, in Texas now? Yes, they're in Texas. Oh, uh, did they flee to Texas? They did for, for tax purposes. Yeah, that's what I thought. But mm-hmm. isn't that silly? Bar Harbor Airlines is now operated out of Texas. Texas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're still a company. They're, they're not associated with any airline anymore, and they main, mainly fly freight around Texas. Okay. That's basically what they do now. Okay. So now we're going to talk about the crew. There were two pilots on this flight, a very green, fresh first officer, and a pretty seasoned captain. I don't usually use crew names, but in this case, I'm going to use their first names because it's important to the story. Okay. The captain's name is Henry. From now on, from here on out, we're going to call him Hank. The first officer's name is Paul. Paul was really young at the time. He was in, an er- in his early 20s, and Hank was 46. Okay. So you got any questions? No. Okay. Let's do this. 
Yeah. All right. So let's cover the events. At 8.30 p.m. on the evening of September 2nd, 1987, on a clear night, the airplane, the Beach 99, took off from Lewiston, Maine, and was repositioning to Boston International. Okay. Because the airplane had a flight in the morning. Mm. Okay. So they're just moving the airplane. The aircraft was sent out as a private flight. They could do ferry flights with no passengers. So it had no passengers on board, just Hank, the captain, and Paul the first officer. They operated under the registration number instead of a flight number, so they weren't Bar Harbor, whatever. Mm. They were operating under November 204 Bravo Hotel, uh, (laughs) where normally they would have been, like I said, like a Bar Harbor flight, whatever. Yeah. Their registration number that's painted on the tail, that's what their call sign is, basically. So shortly after takeoff, the aircraft was cleared to climb to 4,000 feet, headed out over the ocean for the short flight, about an hour, to Boston. A little less than an hour. After leveling off, Paul heard a whistling sound, a whistling sound and a rattle coming from the cabin. Mm. The cabin is empty. Dun, dun, dun. Paul got up. He walked into the cabin. He was only gone for a moment. He returned to the cockpit where he reported to Hank, the captain, that there was a whistling and a rattling sound coming from the aircraft main entry door, but it appeared to be closed. Ooh, no, no. So let me tell you about the airplane. It closed, but... So the door is at the back left side of the airplane, so... Okay. So Paul could kind of turn around and see the door from where he's sitting. Because remember, it's 15. There's only 15 seats on yeah, board. Yeah, so it's, it's small. Right. So, so, But the door is on Hank's side, right? Because Hank's the captain. So he's sitting on the left. Paul's sitting on the right. So Paul can kind of turn around and see the door. But Hank can't turn around and see the door. The door of this small airplane is one of the doors that folds down. And then the steps kind of fold out of the door. Okay. So it's like a, a single unit you know, it kind of just mm, plops very down. Retro. Very retro. It's an old airplane, so it kind of falls down and you kind of step out. It'd be a great airplane to like do photo shoots with or something no, because yeah. of the way the steps are. You know, it's like it's very Casablanca, okay, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. So the aircraft was hitting some turbulence. They initially reported light turbulence. And then the cabin door light came on in the cockpit. A little light that says the cabin door is open. There's only one door that goes in and out of this airplane. It's the cabin door. That indicated that the door was not properly closed. Hank and Paul could still hear the rattling sound coming from the cabin. Hank gave Paul the controls, and he headed back to inspect the door. Okay, things are getting bad. <laughs> as, Hank appro- as Hank approached the door, the Beach 99 hit some moderate turbulence, which for a small airplane, moderate turbulence can bounce you around pretty well. There's some speculation that Hank was messing with the door, or his hand was on the lever. We're not exactly sure how it happened. But we do know that the door popped open. Oh, no! Hearing the noise in the cabin and feeling the airplane shake from having the door now popped open and like aerodynamically hanging down, Paul turned around, he saw the open door, and Hank was gone. He just fell out of the plane, I'm assuming, with the, yeah? Well, it's a small cabin. Yeah, there's not that much. He's not hiding back there. No, don't say it like that. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, okay, so now seasoned pilot gone. Yeah. Door open. Mm-hmm. Just Paul. Just Paul. So now Paul's alone. So Paul air, calls air traffic control and he reports that his captain, Hank, had fallen out of the airplane. And here's the quote. The captain opened the door and got sucked out somehow. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not supposed to laugh. I mean, there's some elements. Oh, of, there's definitely there's some elements. There's some elements, elements oh of, funny, of funny here, right? Horrible. That, oh, that's... <laughs> Paul declares an emergency. That's fair. I respect that. Yeah. Hats off to Paul. Okay. He declared an emergency. He requested an immediate landing. They were off the coast of Portland now. So they're kind of like, they were coming down the coast towards Boston. Took off from, where did I say? 
No, I said they took off from Lewiston. Ooh. Paul calls air traffic control. He declares an emergency. He declared an emergency and requested an immediate landing in Portland, Maine. Then he gave the controller his exact position and he requests that the Coast Guard come search for Hank. Okay, he's doing his job. Yeah, I mean... He seems fairly aware. He can't get up and look for Hank or... Can't he's not, get worse. It's dark, so he's not going to like... And the door is open. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a bad situation, right? It's just a horrible situation. So the tower controller calls the Coast Guard, reporting that a, uh, that a pilot had fallen out of the aircraft into the sea. The Portland Coast Guard ready to helicopter in a search team. And William Falk, he's the Coast Guard duty mm-hmm. officer in South Portland... He said the tower called and said a pilot had been sucked out of an aircraft through an open door and fell into the sea. That's his quote. Oh, these quotes are so good. (laughs) The airplane had been cruising at around 4,000 feet, about 200 miles an hour. So the Coast Guard was, quote unquote, preparing to search for a body as the fall. Yeah, I would hope so. Like, you don't survive that, No, you wouldn't have survived the fall from 4,000 feet. Yeah, that's that's some movie ridiculousness that doesn't happen. Right, so Paul slowed the airplane, and he began a right turn and a descent to the airport. Okay. Okay. Paul continued to make all right turns to the airport, and fire and rescue was dispatched to meet the aircraft on the runway. We declared emergency. Ten minutes after Hank had fallen out, the Beach 99 landed, and it was shut down. Shuts the engines down. Okay. Paul proceeds to the only exit, right? He's going to get out of the airplane. He proceeds to the open door to exit the aircraft, and no one could have known, but Hank was hanging on. No. You serious? Oh, my God. Just the whole time? Just... So Hank had fallen forward onto the door. He grabbed the door cables. He crammed his toes in the crack between the open door and the aircraft fuselage. And he just held on for dear life? And he, that's impressive. That man has some serious, like, m- like lower body strength. That's I feel insane. like you would probably do the same. I mean, I mean, I would try to do the same thing. I would definitely like not immediately just give up and fall out an airplane. But so Hank reported that he had not been touching the door, but he was thrown into the door and it popped open. Okay. But upon landing, Hank did something like a reverse sit up. Kind of like arches his back and his face clears the pavement by roughly six inches. So you can imagine he's laying on that door face down. Uh, but he did it. He did it. He did it. But Hank wouldn't let go. No, he wouldn't. Like, he was just like, no, I'm not getting <laughs> off this fuck. A responding firefighter said this, quote, he held there for three or four minutes. He didn't want to let go. He had a death grip on the door, unquote. <laughs> <laughs> He was been terrified. Oh, my God. So Hank finally did let go of the door. Yeah, they like finally convinced, they coaxed him off of it. They're like, you're safe now. Here's a blanket. I mean, after a while, right? He's going to be like, okay, okay, I'm on the ground. Oh, bless his heart. So Hank finally lets go. Captain Fletcher, he's the head of the Portland Fire Department's crash and rescue at Portland Airport, said that Paul was surprised to see Hank was still alive. (coughs) I can imagine. I mean, yeah. Like, you hope, but like... How was he to know? Yeah, Paul wouldn't couldn't have known. There's no way Paul could have known. He just all he saw was the open door, and he had to fly the airplane. And so Paul did what he had to do. He said, and this is his quote: He had a rather startled look on his face, a surprised look. He was really happy to see him. The pilot thanked him for making a nice landing. So so cordial. So Hank thanks Paul for making a nice landing, right? He's like, thanks, kid. And then Hank let go, and Paul gave him a hug. Aw, okay, good ending. A firefighter, well, we're not there yet. Oh, a no, firefighter asked Hank, how was the ride? 
that's so rude. Oh my God. <laughs> I feel like if you do that today, you would so get fired. Like someone would report you for that. They'd be like, your officer said this to my traumatized. Yeah, no, we couldn't get away with that anymore. <laughs> so Hank says, it wasn't too rough, but the wind was quite something. That's fair. Well, he's hanging on the door, right? And he's hanging in the prop wash. So not only do you have the airplane moving at 200, hour, 200 miles an hour, but you have the, the prop is spinning right there sort of in front of him and blowing air over top of him. So not only is he in the wind, but he's in the slipstream of the prop. Oh, that's beautiful. Which is even more wind, right? Yeah. Uh, the firefighter asked Hank how the ride was. He said, it wasn't too rough, but the wind was quite something. <laughs> then Hank said, you might want to go search around Cape Elizabeth for my hat. What a baller. <laughs> He's like, now go get me my hat. Exactly. Oh, that's brilliant. He's like, I lost my hat. Hank was transported to the hospital. Yeah, rightfully so. He was checked out and released. Hank had some cuts and bruises from falling onto the door, right? They wouldn't know it at the time, but Hank would later need surgery for his hand for some torn tendons. Okay. I mean, yeah. he, he held on. I mean, that was what was important, right? Yeah, like he, he lived. Like he made it. He, he lived. He was given medication to help him sleep and Hank was sent home. A, a company official told the press that Hank had asked to be left alone and he was just glad to see the sunrise. He was very grateful for his first officer <laughs> being able to fly the airplane by himself and land the way he did. So that's basically the, what the company official said to the press. Damn. Because the press heard. Yeah. Right. So here's something interesting. So I, had, so I have a friend who actually worked with Hank <laughs> in Michigan in the early 2000s. What? Okay. And this, this goes back to the story. So... Hank said to my friend that if Paul had made a single left turn, he would have fallen. So it just by chance, he made all right turns. So when he turned the airplane to the right, the door would tip up to a more flat position mm. versus tipping down to a more vertical position. So you can imagine that if you turned left, the door would be more vertical. Ooh, he but goes. if you turn right, the door would be come kind of come up in a more flat position what luck because remember he's holding on with his toes mostly his toes but I mean, he's got his hand on there but if his toes had slipped out that would hold he wouldn't have been able to hold on oh my god what are the chances literally what are the chances so the aircraft was flown to bar harbor okay. from portland where the door was inspected they found no no abnormalities. The aircraft was returned to service the next day. No. Okay, so... So what? Someone just closed the door wrong? Or... I think Hank... You think Hank opened the door? I think he messed with the handle. I think maybe it wasn't closed completely or properly. So then he went to like... And he went to like... I don't know exactly how this door works, but maybe he like pushed... Try to push the lever down. He yeah, isn't like that... That's like the one thing you know not to do as a pilot. Like don't open the door. <sighs> don't mess with an open door. Is absolutely a cardinal rule. Don't mess with an open door. Yeah, like if you hear being weird, just like land as quick as possible, right? Right. So, I mean, he could have just, they could have just turned and just gone and landed at the airport. Yeah. He's a good boy. (laughs) So when the door light came on, what they should have done is just said, hey, we just got a door light. It's not an emergency at this point because there's nobody in the cabin, right? There's no passengers. So we're fine. Yeah. So what's the difference? All right. So the aftermath of this. Next day. I don't like that. It's just the next day. Just return the next day, right? Whatever. It's so fine. the aftermath. Well, Hank is now a local main legend. Yeah, of course he's a local main legend. And he was given the nickname Hang on Hank. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, honey. That's fair. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I don't know if that would like, wouldn't that great on you? Eventually, like one day a kid says it, you snap. Yeah, exactly. So if you look up, so if you go um, 
on the internet and you look up Hang on Hank, you will find tons of articles about this event. Wow, okay. Yeah, so Hang on Hank, that's that's what it's called. So Hank returned to flying. Did he? But it was very short-lived. Yeah, I imagine yeah. so. Okay. So Hank became an aircraft mechanic. As Seems a full, safer. As a full-time job. He continued to fly on and off throughout his career. A few years ago, on the 30th anniversary of Hang on Hank, he was 77 years old. He's happily living in retirement in Virginia. Oh, okay. So that was in 2017. I don't know where Hank is right now. You didn't call him to ask? You weren't like, hey, what's up? How are you? <laughs> so the Shannon, airplane. you should have called I, him for I a quote. So the airplane, the airplane in question is now parked in Peterborough, Ontario. They just it, still have it. I would have destroyed that It was parked thing. in the 1990s. In the early 90s, it was used for parts. Good. You can see pics of the specific airplane on my Instagram at Aluminum Tube. Okay. Okay. Cool. So let's talk about the FAA and the NTSB. Yeah. So like, what was the response to this? Right. So the FAA had no issues with the aircraft's return to service. Yeah, I didn't think so. They blamed the incident on pilot error. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know if he did. We don't know if he did. Yeah, of course Hank not. says he did not. The door was popped open. We can don't, I, just, it's not really important. I, I, I can just picture like this big mustached 80s man pilot just opening. The, it's very like it's an image. You can see it. Yeah, you can see him like. I'll try it. It's fine. I'm just going to I'm just going to push the handle. I'm going to use my good get... old masculinity. I'm going to fix it. It's fine. It's everything's fine. And just I mean, yeah, we're never going to know. And I mean, I wouldn't admit to that. I get it. Like I, I'd keep quiet. Right. So the NTSB issued a brief statement <laughs> on the incident because nobody was hurt and nobody died, right? So, yeah, so the NTSB did a quick investigation. They just issued a statement. They found that at the altitude and the speed that the door would have opened with 150 pounds of force. Oh, good. So, so like, yeah, that's a lot of pull force. So if he had pulled the door up, it would have popped open with 150 pounds of force. So, I mean, Ooh. it would have really... So if you, you can imagine that if you're holding on to that door and it popped open. You'd go with it. That 150 pounds. I mean, you would really have to be braced to not fall out at that point. So you go with it. He manages to just hold on. Hang on. Oh, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so the door. We owe him a solid. <laughs> so the door had a lot of opening force, but there were no other findings because nobody, it wasn't classified as an incident or an accident. Okay. So basically nobody died. So it's Hank fine. Was, Hank was a little hurt. It's a little traumatized. Well, we know his wrist was hurt and he had to get have surgery. But yep. beyond that, Hank was traumatized. Yeah, like the PTSD alone would be horrible. I can't even imagine. Ten minutes. He hung ten minutes on that door. Just at thousands of feet above the ground. Just with just his toes. Just essentially his toes hanging on. Do you think that he like had just perchance had excellent toes? Or like how does that how do you prepare for that? Was he working out? Like I don't did he have large feet? Like, I don't... Hank was I'm ripped. so perplexed by He'd his He'd been toes. doing toe curls for a while? Yeah, like, I just don't have the dexterity in my toes to do that. <laughs> do you? No, no. Okay, yeah, like... I think he, he just crammed his feet in there, though. I mean, I don't just know like, how uh, it happened. Like, you just shoved him in? That I'm is... really trying to picture it, and I'm just like, I'm, I'm amazed at this man's, like, lower body strength. Like, he braced, like, a gymnast, just... Mm, yes, like, he did. He, he bared down on it. And the other thing that is interesting about, or about this event is that he fell out and he almost was scraped on the pavement. Yeah, I know. He almost just like lost a good third of his face just that would casually. Have, that would have killed Hank, right? Just the scraping. I mean, there's so many points at which Hank could have died here. But he didn't. He didn't. He Does he like away. have a family? Did he like, is he like happily married? Uh, he had a girlfriend at the time, actually. Dude. 
that was you it. You can't break up with him after that. That's like you have to take care of him <laughs> forever. Now you can. Now, now you. They're can break definitely up. married. So I'm deciding. And and normally I don't get into people's personal lives, but I mean this was as a result of the incident. The press came and bothered, tried to bother him in the morning, but Hank actually had left really early that morning, Ooh. and his girlfriend was there, and his girlfriend said he left really early. I don't know where he went. Dun dun dun. dun. That was it. So. I'm not sure if he was there or not, but he was being shielded from the press, which... Which is fair. I'd do that. It's yeah. understandable, right? You don't want to talk to people after that. Oh, God, I know. Of is there not. like a history of people falling out of planes and holding on to it? Is this like... Or no. is this like a... Okay, like this is a once in a... This is really like... I, I think this is a one in a million. Yeah, because I feel like there's not a lot of other places you could fall out of an airplane and just like manage to hold on to for that long. He hung on for 10 minutes and then he would not let go for another... Three or four minutes, which I kind of loved at the end. No, you just won't let go. You can let go. No. So the most obvious thing that changed is that we no longer fly these airplanes in passenger service. There isn't. So because of this incident or just. No. No. Just this. This airplane was not pressurized by modern standards. Today's standards. Ridiculous. Just kind of uncomfortable. You you really wouldn't want to be on it. You may ride on an airplane like this in the islands or something if you're going from like, you know, in the Caribbean or mm. Central America or something. Okay. But the truth is in the United States, now we fly small jets. And yeah. everybody wants to be on a small jet. And if it's not a jet, it's like a big turboprop. Yeah. Okay. So, so no door concerns. That's good. No more door concerns like that. And Did it ever happen again? It never did. The mm. airplane was fine. It was Returned to service and eventually was parked and parted out. Who closed the door? Ooh. Who flew from who? And then who flew it back to Bar Harbor from Portland? I don't know. It was Hank. He did it. Oh, it'd be awesome if Hank was like, you know what? I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna do it. It's fine. <laughs> Get right back up on there, right? <laughs> They're like, you are. You can't do this. Like, no. And he's like, no. I'm get me a hat. We're doing this. No, I'm doing it. So did, did they get his hat? They never found his hat, no. Yeah, that's fair. The Coast Guard didn't go out and look for him, so they canceled the Coast Guard. It's too bad. I mean, they were looking for a body, though. It would have killed him. If it would have definitely he, killed if him. If he'd have fallen. So my sources for this are um, newscentermain.com, the Associated Press, the Orlando Sentinel, the Washington Post, the United Press International Archives, the New York Times Archives, and the FAA and NTSB database, where I found the report on Hang on Hank. So I did Amazing. use a lot of different sources and kind of put them together. And no, yeah, okay. Wrote a complete... History. Yeah, like a complete story. Yeah. Good stuff. Right, based on that. So what do you think? How did you find this? I don't know. Is it just like... I just, you it occurs stumbled to me. upon it? Yeah, just it's, it kind of occurs to me that I just like want to do something like this. <laughs> Someone fell out a plane. Let's talk about it. Right, exactly. But Okay, he, so people don't fall out of planes often though. Like this, just in general, normally if doors open, it's because of like an actual serious error. Correct. It this seems is, to be way worse in pressurized cabins, obviously. I mean, it, in a pressurized cabin, he would have been sucked out. And there would not, he wouldn't have been he able to hold just, on. Ooh. Yeah, th there's no way he would have been able to hold on. So thankfully, it was unpressurized. You think Hank messed with the door? I do. So here's the airplane in the early 90s. Just being, chilling. Just part, parted out, being parted out. Sitting it's still in Peterborough, cute. Ontario. I mean, yeah, I could see how you could hold on to something like that if like it's possible. And there's the door. Ah! Beautiful. There's the door in the back. You can that's see not it is. big, man. No, just, but that's Hank that's, like a tiny, compact man. No, Hank was just a normal guy. Good for you, Hank. Respects. Hats off. Hang on, Hank. Like, no, nah, like <laughs> <laughs> hats off. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. No, it was good. It was good. Uh, All right, so that's our episode. Awesome, excellent. <laughs> Thanks so much for being here, Olivia. Of I appreciate course, having you. It was fun. There you go.
Bring me more people falling out of plane stories. Well, it's better than people dying. Mm-hmm. 